Hello and welcome to the Home Business and Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I have Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. And joining us today, we're always pleased to have him back on the show, is Paulus. Hey, Paulus. Hey, how's it going, guys? Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream in lockdown, right? Like, in That's isolation. right. Yeah. That's right. <sighs> this episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with any router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. Paulus, a big announcement this week from Nabucasa and Home Assistant was that you've acquired ESP Home. Yeah. I I saw this on (laughs) Twitter and I'm like, wait. A quiet, like it was like a, it sounds like, you know, like when a big company has bought another little company and, you know, yeah. obviously that was sort of what you're going on, but this is all open source, right? This generally, you don't hear much of this sort of stuff happening. So yeah. Can you yeah. run us through like. The ESP Home was started by Allo like three years ago and it was really just to kind of complement Home Assistant in a way that like those, you know, the ESP chips are super cheap from China. Mm. There's these microcontrollers. You can program them. With anything you want, like you can buy any component that you know of in other devices, like temperature sensors, motion sensors, infrared LEDs, uh, yep. e-ink screens, anything you can think of, you can buy separately, and then you can connect it to ESP Home. And with ESP Home, you can just write a configuration.yaml file, basically, Yeah. that you say, hey, um, I have connected this sensor to this part of this microcontroller. And then that ESP Home will just make it available to Home Assistant. And so ESP Home has been just really good in providing, yeah, like all the, you know, Home Assistant is the brains. And then ESP Home is pretty much all the devices that are in your house. It can pretty much replace um, with the stuff you make yourself. And when you make it yourself, you can put in, you know, all the logic or whatever you feel like. And it really allows people to explore tinker like it's the whole do-it-yourself world and esp home and home assistant they work so well together because esp home has a uh, its own api based on like google protobuf which is very efficient Mm -hmm. and home assistant just tightly integrates with this so home assistant will find esp home nodes when they are connected to the network and then will set up direct connections so every change in esp home is immediately pushed to home assistant and so it's been you know, if you use ESP Home the, and you don't use Home Assistant yet, within a month or two, you're using Home Assistant. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And so it has always been really a great addition to Home Assistant. I always like saw it as like a sister project kind of because of this. Mm-hmm. And together with ESP Home, we kind of cover the whole house. But mm. ESP Home was created by Otto um, when, you know, he's been on the podcast, uh, I think as well, a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, ep- episode, tw- I'm just looking it up. He was on episode 28 when yeah. <laughs> ESP Home was called ESP Home Lib. And yes. he's really young, right? I remember on the episode, Rahan and I was like, well. He was in high school, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he and was in high like, school. Yeah, yeah, crazy, right? And we're, and we're like, oh, well, you've achieved more than we have. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, when he went to university and everything was just a lot busier. Mm-hmm. Right, I think there's just a lot of pressure uh, at university, and he's going to a European university, so it's a bit more serious than the American <laughs> college life and movies. Uh, <laughs> um, no, and so you know, he it was not really uh, good to combine anymore, and it was 
what what was happened is that like he of course he built everything he held all the keys and he they were contributors and they had like they were able to do releases but they were just getting like there were like some decisions that had to be made from time to time is this a good addition does it fit with the architecture does it like right and those decisions were not being made and you know the people in the ESP home community were like okay what's going on what's the future of this project right there was a lot of uncertainty um, but also for Otto itself, he felt bad because, you know, he had this burden on him mm. and, you know, he was yeah. not able to do anything with it. Um, and so, yeah, this is where, like, we stepped in. Like, we've we've seen this obviously happen um, and we very much care about ESP Home. And so, yeah, we decided to step in. We started talking with Otto, like, what can we do? Um, and uh, this was the best uh, solution we came to. And so... Yeah, I mean, it sounds a bit weird, like acquiring an open source project. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 really meant just to you know, we're we're not gonna commercialize it like you need a Nabucasa subscription to use ESP Home because mm-hmm. that will never work. Yeah, yeah, and it's also it's not the goal either. It's um, we we really see it that people that use ESP Home are gonna be heavier Home Assistant users, and so are yeah, and we're just more likely also to help support the home assistant project by subscribing to Nabucasa. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. Right. And I think also we have now we're obviously gonna invest more in ESP home. Um so we're also uh we've hired someone to work on ESP home. Mm-hmm. So that person is gonna start probably in a month from now. It's uh it's Jesse Hills, also known as Jesse Rocks. He's one of the ESP home core developers right oh, now nice. already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's going to work full time on uh, ESP Home. And I mean, we have a lot of ideas to make things easier, mm-hmm. um, even easier than they already are. I think one of the things that I, I personally really want to see is that you know ESP Home makes it really easy to create things, but configuration of Wi-Fi is always a pain because yeah. what happens? I mean, we see this IoT devices across the world is. You that are Wi-Fi based. You buy them. You have to connect to the access point to configure it, right? right? So, and both iOS and Android make this quite difficult. So, um, the reason it's difficult, like you have to go to settings, to Wi-Fi, to access points, find the access point that starts with like ESP Home underscore or whatever the name of the device is, and then you know phones will also tell you, oh. This internet connection has no. Uh, well, this Wi-Fi connection has no internet, so I'm right. not going to use it. Do it like kicks you off. And, yeah, and and then when you configure your Wi-Fi, the device has to take its access point down to actually try to connect to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So there's no error handling anymore because um, once you, you know, there's no way to tell you, hey, it failed because you no longer connect to the device because you know you're on a different Wi-Fi network now or disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we're actually working on, uh, we were, Jesse and I were actually already together working on this before the acquisition, but we want to accelerate it now, is that we're working on a Bluetooth-based, low, Bluetooth low energy-based Wi-Fi provisioning API. Yeah. So we see this, of course, in like more modern devices, they will add Bluetooth mm-hmm. just so that the app can connect to it and set, pass on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So that way you also have error handling because the Bluetooth connection can stay connected while it tries to connect to Wi-Fi, for example. Yeah. And so we're, and actually there's a bunch of proprietary APIs out there and we want to build an open one. So we're already 
we designed draft one. We're now working on draft two, uh, with some based on some feedback. Um, but we've also already got like opt-in from like other projects. So the WLAT uh, firmware is also interested in adding this uh, support Ooh, for it. That's a good idea. And so do. Yeah. The idea would be that every ESP32, because ESP8266 does not have Bluetooth, but ESP32 has. Right. So every ESP32-based open firmware could, be, in theory, add support for this Bluetooth standard. And then, you know, we'll have a, we, our prototype now use actually a, a website in Chrome with like web Bluetooth mm-hmm. to provision uh, devices. But we're okay. going to add it to the Home Assistant app and all our projects can use it to their apps. But then it's just a generic standard just to get things online and get it into our home. Right. Interesting. So that's another thing that we're working on and it's gonna come soon. <laughs> so so re- so really at the at the end of the day, I mean this is this is about taking the project, putting like a formal kind of architecture around it. Or, or for, former I guess if you want to call it a review board kind of around it, right? Just to say Okay, here's where we want to go. Here's what wants to happen, and then let's let's build a roadmap based on feature, based on based on user input, or or you know whatever. Yeah, I, th- I think that yeah, the goal has been really just to, um, you know, to get to get the project going again. I think mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. you know, there's been some. I think we really, especially with a full time employee, there things are going to move really fast, and I think also. For Nabucasa, it's easier to have full-time employees invest in projects that we uh, control than yes, that yeah. we don't, right? So with Home Assistant, sure. obviously, uh, we control it, and with, not, with ESP Home now as well. And I think we can really make it a tight integration. Um, and it's also, I mean, it also wouldn't have been fair to have a full-time employee in ESP Home and then have Otto in his spare time <laughs> review or like yeah, give feedback. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work like yeah. that. That that um, that seems fair. So yeah, I'm no, I'm really stoked. I think there's going to be so many cool things, and I hope that you know, as we make it easier for people to create and share ESP home based projects, I hope that can become like a viable alternative to mm. just you know buying things from yeah. wherever. It's like no, I see this like. Uh, I see this maker like selling his own devices that are like way cooler than other devices out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw this with the tech reader, right? That's uh, right. Yeah, Adorno yeah. created last year. That, that's where I was sort of going to lead with my next question: is is this a sort of play where you would want to start heading towards? In that you've started, you know, you've got the home assistant tag reader now, which is a physical device that people can, you know, three D print and buy their parts themselves or get one pre made. We also saw last year at the conference you announced Home Assistant Blue with you know fully yeah. incorporated device. Now you've just acquired ESP Home. It's sort of from an outsider's view, it looks like you are starting to to head in towards the the devices. Is there long term plans that you're thinking about, or you know that you would like to head to one day in being able to create you know open source you know door sensors that people can print off and or you can sell directly under your yeah. Brand? Well, I think that um, you know with Home Assistant, it's always we're way more we're we're better in creating the the platform and the surrounding like the, and we're not focused on capturing all the value ourselves right mm-hmm. we want right. other people to create and sell esp home based products because we know that if they do that it integrates perfectly in home assistant right so it's yeah it like esp home works with mqtt and you can do all those other things but that requires work 
right? Yeah. You need to like configure your MQTT broker and topics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sure. And all, but Home Assistant just works out of the box. And yeah, as we invest more in ESP Home, and I really hope that we can create uh, firmwares for things, and then people can just start creating and selling it. I don't think that we, as Home Assistant or Nabucasa, have to be the sole company selling these products. In yeah. fact, I want more people to just be invested mm. and work with it and just make it the best platform there is. And I think that's, I mean, that has been our approach at Home Assistant as well. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, the, the Home Assistant Blue really was um, just to make it more accessible. I think what we saw is we're made, we, we've spent so many years in making things easier to use and getting onboarding perfect, discovery going, configuration is easy. Um but then the first step to get started was, yeah, download this image and flash it to an SD card. And yeah. it was like, yeah, that that makes no sense. Yeah. That's like, that's completely the opposite of all the other steps. So yeah. that's where I think Home Assistant Blue came in and it's been a success, but we've also, there's so much shortage right now in the market for components. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's a big issue actually with just creating the Odroid N2 Plus on which the Home Assistant Blue is based off. And so that has been our biggest problem. It's actually hard kernel said that for some pieces, it can take up to like 30 weeks lead time now Jeez. for them to source their components. And it's only getting bigger because yeah, all comp- all product creators in the world are just fighting yep. around the same uh, pieces. Yep, yep, exactly. The The semiconductor shortage is basically just smacked the entire market pretty hard in the face, mm-hmm. right? So it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I think that's, I mean, when you, when you look at Home Assistant Blue, well, we're, we're working on creating more. I mean, our responsibility in that process is really the case, right? That's all we do. Well, I'm yeah. the software, right? But the software works. So the the case is easy to produce Yeah. now that the systems are in place. Um, we did just change a little bit to the case. So our first batch, we had the front and back plate was chrome. So it was mm-hmm. kind of shiny, reflective. Mm-hmm. And we're now going to brush uh, aluminium because mm-hmm. the, the we had a bunch of quality issues. The, okay. the problem with Chrome is that it's very sensitive. So yeah, any not just scratches, even also like uh, bubbles of air in it will show up as like specks, kind of that you kind of that right. are um, not reflecting. So yeah, we had a high amount of uh, how do you call it? Like parts that got like disqualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I mean, but this has been such a learning experience for us. It was the first time dealing with like. Chinese manufacturers getting Mm. something manufactured to begin with, right? And so we just focus on a case. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So wow. So fun. You you guys get to be the next metal experts now on (laughs) (laughs) on how this stuff works too, right? Right. Well, I mean, I I think the next, if we do something next, it it will not be metal, just because you know we want to probably want to add a radio to it. Sure. And uh, right now, of course, it's all aluminium, so that was not a solution. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I guess in terms of ESP Home, it is, you know, obviously been an open source project. It can um, 
as you said, works with MQTT. I'm sure there's other, you know, open source uh, home automation platforms that, you know, integrate with ESP Home. Does the Nebrocaster acquisition, you know, is that going to change its focus, you know, away from being, you know, supported by, you know, for example, OpenHab, Demotics or, or whatever? Is that something that you're conscious of that you... Have you, have you thought about? No, I mean, we're not going to break any API that's already there. Mm. I think that mm-hmm. um, the, the people that are working on ESP Home from Nabucasa, they're going to focus, of course, on extending the official API so that if, if yeah. Home Assistant needs it. Um, I don't think, I mean, they're not going to add extra APIs to have other platforms extract the data in other ways. I mean, but it's open source, so anyone can add that if they want. I mean, we're sure, not going to block it. Yep. I mean, this has been the same inside Home Assistant as well, right? We don't block data exports or like we don't hold your data hostage. Um, yes. We want people yeah. to use it. We want people to experience it. And the way I see it is that if OpenHab would integrate with ESP Home, the better because more ESP Home devices will be created. Yep. Yep. And then there will be more, also more investment in the platform. Yeah, I think that, you know, Home Assistant just has the advantage in the open source home automation world is that we actually have found a way of funding our open source development that works and that sticks where you know i think all other projects they don't really have a funding or full-time employees and as you get bigger and more things are happening it's just i mean there's just so much work that we're doing every day just to Mm -hmm. keep the project going without actually Mm -hmm. building anything ourselves because all the things around us are constantly changing. Yeah. Not just the, you know, of course, the IoT products and the protocols we need to update too, but also just our infrastructure for building the images. Then like, you know, now we're on GitHub Actions. It used to be Azure and yeah. all those build pipelines. I mean, we have to have them maintained, the, build them. Yeah. yeah. If you look at the hardware that yeah. we support, every platform that we add support for needs ongoing maintenance pretty yeah. much, right? So we yeah. stick to... So we try to stick to the upstream kernel as much, like the original Linux kernel. Um, and that's also like, for example, for Home Assistant Blue, we actually worked with uh, Bay Libre, which was a kernel consultancy firm, to actually fix a bunch of bugs and have it upstreamed. So when we use the upstream Linux kernel, it all works. Mm. So we don't have to maintain our own patches and these kind of things. Wow. Okay. It's it's crazy how much of like a multiplier effect, like and like an open source project like, home assistant can have right just again now you're starting to make bug fixes on linux kernels and like things like that that can affect other stuff too right yeah definitely so it's, that's that's really cool yeah and it, it also feels good to contribute back in like sure. it's you know of course we're open source so it feels like we're already we're obviously already contributing a lot to like technology and the world i feel by making it very accessible uh, yeah but to you know, we still rely on a lot of open source. Like, yep. I think the whole, I mean, all of Linux that we rely on, and then all those Python packages that we rely on. I mean, Python itself. To yeah. be, you know, it's there's so much stuff, and just to be able to give back to those communities as well is great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, I mean, from from this point, then, so again, we're we've taken on. ESP Home. What's kind of the direction you're taking it outside of? So I know I know you talked about some of the things you want to do and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, but from a like direct integration to Home Assistant, like are are, are there going to be a bunch of improvements coming from there? Like outside of like the joining Wi-Fi and like that kind of stuff. Um, 
like like what else is there or is there any other plans are, are, and are they planning on are you keeping i'm planning on keeping them as two separate like hey you're an esp home developer and you know you don't touch home assistant unless it's on your like your free time and then you know how, how, how does that work too is there okay well that's actually two questions you're asking now but yes, let me start yes. with the... <laughs> two, two very different questions yeah so the first part is um the integration with esp home is already very solid i think that there's yeah the the room for improvement is very little because an ESP yeah. home node comes online in the Wi-Fi. Home Assistant will already detect it and ask the user, do you want to integrate it? Yeah. Um, but there is, for example, there is a uh, add-on for if you run Home Assistant OS or Home Assistant Supervised that will help you uh, flash ESP home devices. So yes. this add-on um, will, comp- you know, you upload your YAML file, it will compile it and you can yep. flash it either over the air and that's something that, uh, I mean, that add-on will be brought into the official organization instead of being like a standalone repository. Yeah. Um, but I think that a lot of more, it, yeah, I, I think there's not much more integration possible right now. I think yeah. it's uh, not at least not from what I can think of right now. Sure. I think actually, I mean, talk about an add-on, it's also not a sidetrack. <laughs> um, Chrome and Edge just declared stable the web serial API. Okay. So... It means that we can start flashing ESP devices from the browser Ooh, okay. with ESP Home. So this whole add-on is almost not necessary anymore. Interesting. So so Home Assistant natively can use that web serial API. Yeah, or a static website. Like we, you could literally, yeah. for example, have like ESP Home.io slash flash and you go there and you could have like, if you have a ready-made firmware for ESP Home and you connect it through your device through USB, you just flash it. Interesting. So like, let's say, for example, so I mean, I run mine on Docker in a VM. So but I'm using my browser on my my laptop that I'm talking to you on right now, plug it into there, and then it uses the web serial part or web web serial uh, interface at that point to the flash. flash the, and, that is really yeah. cool. But it's only needed the first time, actually, right? Because ESP right. Home is smart enough. We do over the air updates. Yeah, yeah. And then after that point, it just goes. But that's even even that first time that I mean, to yeah. me, that's that's great. Because right now it's Take my laptop there, blah blah blah. Exactly. Load the thing. Go look up the documentation on how to flash this again, and then, and, and, you yeah. know, it's just a constant cycle there. No, right? and I think I mean, you know, with Home Assistant, we've been focused on like making it easier, and this yeah. is definitely something for ESP Home that you know, flashing is just like the same with Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. It's a trickier part. So if we can, yeah. that's something we're gonna solve. But yeah, back to the ESP Home and Home Assistant. I think right now it's already so good. I don't think. I can see much steps yeah. forward. I know that, like, you know, Otto, he was a Home Assistant core developer before he started ESP Home. Yeah. Right? He he built ESP Home because he saw a need in his own life. And I think, I mean, if an ESP Home developer, he w- they would have to earn their credentials first in Home Assistant. So these two communities are, like, separate, right? We're not going to merge them. They have their own Discord. They, um, yeah. We will offer ESP Home a place on the Home Assistant forums just because forum software is a pain to maintain. Sure. And so we're just going to have them like, have, but have their own <laughs> sub forum. They can have their own moderators if they want. They have yeah. their, um, and yeah, no, we're not going to merge those communities because it wouldn't make sense. These are whole different uh, conversations they're having, right? About like 3.3 versus five fold and ground and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and these yeah, kind yeah. of things. And, you know, Right now, they have a handful of channels, but that might grow over time. So 
we wouldn't want that to also be in the home assistant discord so right. i think that that's fine um and I, yeah they're not going to be merged they have their own moderators right now already their own admins and basically yeah. we just you know empower them so you know i i don't I don't personally write ESP home code, but like Jesse obviously already is. And then as Nabucasa employee, he will just continue to build it yeah. out and uh, extend it. That's very cool. So, so still keeping the communities kind of to their own little, like run themselves kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, or, or moderate yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so one of the, so one of the things Jesse is going to work on actually is that a lot of PRs have been open that have not had review because it was just taking a long time. Sure. Because there was no one around. And so there's one really cool PR open, and it's called Bluetooth Client. And so this means that as ESP home devices, it can start connecting to other devices to read out that information and make it available to Home Assistant. Right. And so, um, for example, there was this video online. I don't know if you saw it. It was this uh, guy in England who has connected his Bluetooth a toothbrush to the lights. So when he started yes, brushing yeah. his teeth, right, that. or the toothbrush went on, the lights went on. Well, that's something with this Bluetooth client stuff that we can actually build in natively into ESP Home. Instead of like the custom component that he used, it will mm-hmm. be able to that anyone can just configure this in YAML to be able to expose their toothbrush state in Home Assistant. Um, but there's so many things nowadays that are on Bluetooth low energy. So barbecue meat uh, thermometer. There was yeah, yeah. one that was based on Bluetooth. There's this sous vide cooking device that's based on Bluetooth. Um, and all these things that previously yeah. were kind of a pain to integrate in the home assistant because Bluetooth itself is a pain. Yeah, now, such a pain. And then your Bluetooth, you don't want your home assistant host to be close to your Bluetooth devices because maybe they can be anywhere in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you could have small Bluetooth nodes throughout your house based on ESP Home and then have that sniff in all the data and send to Home Assistant too. Interesting. That would replace so many Raspberry Pi zeros that I have in yes, the house. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. it's and, and I think that's the same for a lot of people too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's funny because I started going down that route. So I bought myself a little Raspberry Pi zero and started doing some stuff in there. And then eventually I found, well, not, I found ESP Home, but I knew I knew about ESP Home, but I was like, okay, maybe I should try this. And then, uh, and now I've got like three ESP32s kicking around the house doing different things. And like, so it, 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 it is fun, right? Like it's, and, and, and I think, you know, it's for, for the listeners that haven't tried it yet. I mean, it, it's definitely a cool way to get started into the hardware side of it. Right. I mean, that was my kind of first foyer into it too. And it is, it is really neat. Yeah. And it's, it, it is surprisingly easy. Mm-hmm. I think that um, there's. It feels very daunting because people talking about pins and like what is a pin, and but then when you see these ESP boards, you're like, oh, that is a pin. And then if you have those breadboards, it's you know you yeah. can connect jumpers. Um, so it's a it's a fun thing. I think it would benefit if we had like some ESP home starter kit to kind of learn these kind of things, right? To have like yeah. an like a, an ESP eight two six six together with a. I know an LED, a temperature sensor, and these kind of things. Sure, sure. But that'd be kind of fun, yeah. I think, yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. And I mean, that's how the the, uh, the tech reader that we did last year. That was something that, like, you know, Andre and I we were talking about it online, and then he got a prototype going in ESP Home, and from there on we developed it further and further. And now yeah. it's just it's just really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love these tech readers. Like, you just plug them in, and bam! Oh, it's on your network. Please go yeah. on and try it. Like, it's yeah. crazy how simple it is, you know? That's awesome. 
Paulus, before we go, we should say also um, a congratulations on the 1.0 release. It was yeah. short-lived. <laughs> yes. We always yes, bugged right. you about, you know, your 1.0 <laughs> release. You finally got there. You, you changed it the last minute. But, that's yeah, right. congratulations yeah. on the new release schedule and the, the naming structure too. I think it does show that, you know, the project has definitely evolved a lot and matured along the way. And I think, you know, it's all something that you should be proud of, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was... You know, we were talking about it, like, what is the mythical 1.0? And we're just like, it keeps pushing, the, <laughs> we keep pushing the boundaries because they keep every time, like, this is yeah. interesting. This is what we want to have. And in the end, we're like, okay, maybe this is just it. And, you know, yeah. I think people also, they had this expectation that come 1.0, we would never, ever have any breaking changes anymore. And mm-hmm. the truth is, is that it's out of our control sure. because we integrate with all these services and they... Uh, tend to break and we have to adjust and these kind of things Um, but I mean we have done a great stride in reducing our breaking changes I think that generally if you have a integration that is being set up through a config flow through the UI it will not have breaking changes anymore that's just like that you no longer have to worry it won't set up like because all of a sudden Home Assistant is responsible for the configuration format and for migrating it if changes are necessary yeah and so that's been working really well. We put actually this work now on the developer of integration, this burden, and they'll solve it for everybody, right? And mm. we couldn't write to your configuration YAML file in the past because people had these complex structures with include theirs and we couldn't kind of like trace back where to write. And now this is just with config entries, it's been uh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so one actually, one thing I'd like to mention is that... Um, there's one feature of Home Assistant Cloud that like is not popular enough, in my opinion. So I thought I would highlight it here. Please. So yes. over a year ago, uh, actually at the uh, the last State of the Union, so not the conference, but the year before, mm-hmm. we added a uh, text-to-speech API to for Home Assistant Cloud users. So mm-hmm. this is actually powered by uh, Azure. And so you can have any uh, voice that Azure supports, you can actually have in Home Assistant, and you can have any text, and you just... Either use your browser or use like a Google Home Mini or any other or Sonos or any other media player that plays a URL. And you can actually send text or speech to it and it will, you know, read it out loud with like real voices. So we actually have also to kind of promote this feature, we've recently added a tryout uh, dialogue in Home Assistant. So if you go to Home Assistant Configuration Cloud, yeah. you go to the text or speech section, there you can pick your default uh, language that you want to use if you don't specify one and then there's a try button so you can actually hear in the browser or you can hear on one of your speakers um you know the voice and it's actually cool because like i use it also to troll my kids so because you just (laughs) type in text and you press play and it starts playing whatever i just wrote yeah right so my kids will uh, i love it because like i don't have anything pre-programmed in like scripts or something i just use my phone to like kind of talk to them yeah sure um but yeah, I, I think more people should use the, the text-to-speech stuff. Um, Absolutely. It's really cool. I yeah. actually didn't even realize it was a thing. I was actually randomly looking at some documentation and I saw cloud.tts service. I'm like, what is that? And, yeah, and exactly. I, I went in and was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And I actually just changed it to use that. And the voices are, I was previously using like the Google Translate API, right? The voices are much more naturally sounding. And my wife goes, oh, the ladies, why is she a different voice now? 
And then it was moved on, right? Like, that's it, right? <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I'm very pleased with just the quality of the TTS. Much more natural the, Yeah, so these these are not... There's two different types of doing text-to-speech. So the original kind of approach used to be that we you know they know how to how a language pronounces things. So mm-hmm. they know that, oh, if there's a, a vowel here or a... Mm-hmm. Something like pronounce it like this. If there's an A before a B, then that's how it should be pronounced. Um, but you could only get so far, and it always sounds pretty monotone. And yeah. that's yeah. kind of the Google Translate voice. And these are the cheap uh, text-to-speech APIs. But the one that we offer with Home Assistant Cloud is the newer model. It's it's based on neural networks, so it takes more data to train. And it's more uh, intensive to run, right? You need like a GPU uh, to like sure. calculate it on the fly, but they sound so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like one of us talking or, exactly. or whatever, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So that's something that like, I'm, I'm really stoked that we are able to offer. And I think that's also like, you know, when we think about like home assistant cloud, it's like, no, together we're all paying so we can have access to these APIs so that we don't all have to individually subscribe because yeah. you can, of course you can set up your own Azure and like, you know, do all that stuff, but it's just a lot of work. But then you have to do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, definitely. I, I highly recommend anyone that's got a Nebucasa subscription, get on it straight away. Yeah. Yes. And if you don't have a Nebucasa subscription, you should get one. You should exactly. definitely get one. Five bucks that's a month. That's <laughs> five bucks a month you'll spend. Yes. Well, Honestly, and, and now I agree. Also, yeah. <laughs> and now it will also fund the development of ESP Home. So I think that's going to be uh, Which even is better cool. uh, bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paulus, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for waking up early. We really appreciate it. It's always fun talking to you. We love getting to find out the secret stuff that's coming up. (laughs) That's right. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a good day, guys. Thank you. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.